It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Every day is a new freaking injury. We'll talk about that. Plus some fun stuff on today's Rico Bronia. Evan Roberts, Pete Hoffman. I remember the early days of spring training. There were no injuries. Everything was great. Everybody was healthy. Everybody was getting along just fine. And now the Mets have joined the Yankees on this pace of an injury concern a day, sometimes two injury concerns a day. From Sunday, Starling Marte got drilled in the head. That was a scary sight to behold. And it seems okay. Uh, He's not showing any symptoms of a concussion. He will certainly be tested over the next couple of days. But it's a scary sight, especially after last year where the Mets seemed to get drilled every 35 seconds. And Starling Marte is so important to this team. He battled through injuries last year. Sometimes he was able to play through them. Sometimes, as we saw, he missed some time. And I guess there's this fear with Marte as he gets a little bit older. Is he going to be able to be, is he going to be able to stay healthy for 130, 140 games, especially coming off of the surgeries he had during the offseason? He returns to the lineup a couple of days ago. He looks great at the plate, misses nothing at the plate, and instantly gets drilled in the head. So we have Starling Marte concerns after a fastball knocks him in the noggin. We've got Brooks Raleigh pulling himself out of the World Baseball Classic with a hamstring issue. When I heard the Raleigh, the Raleigh hamstring issue, my first assumption was, all right, he ain't going to be ready for opening day. And now, all of a sudden, the Mets, who don't have a lot of lefties in their bullpen, are they actually going to be forced to take TJ McFarlane north? Every time I watch TJ McFarlane in spring training, he's getting his ass kicked. I know Buck likes him, but that's not going to be enough to make the team. If you suck, I don't care if you're a lefty, you shouldn't make the team. We had to sit through garbage lefties last year. I mean, Joely Rodriguez for a full year. But the report on Brooks Raleigh doesn't sound that bad. Buck Showalter made it seem as if they're going to be very conservative with the hamstring. They saw the imaging. They're going to be careful because any kind of setback would lead him not be to be ready for opening day, but that there is some hope he could be ready for the start of this season in Miami in less than three weeks. So I was sort of surprised by that. Obviously doesn't mean anything because just because they say they're optimistic, he's going to be ready for the start of the season. Doesn't mean he's going to be ready for the start of the season. And before anybody gets crazy, him getting injured while getting ready for the world baseball classic is not an injury that we can blame on the world baseball classic. I know we like to do that. And that's a fun hobby of ours. Met fans, Yankee fans, all baseball fans. The guy got hurt wearing that Team USA jersey. Blame the WBC. It is not a WBC issue. Guy didn't even pitch in a game in the World Baseball Classic. And if he was going to injure his hamstring, he was probably going to do it in Port St. Lucie or Arizona. So hopefully Brooks Raleigh is going to be okay. Then we got the Kodai Senga scratch. I'm looking forward to a little Saturday night Senga action. I wasn't going to score the game. I didn't score the game, but I did have a thought for a second. Yeah, this could be fun. Let's uh, score a Kodai Senga start, his second one, after he made that debut a week earlier against the Cardinals. And a few hours before first pitch, he scratched with tendinitis at the base of his index finger. What the hell is that? Again, doesn't sound major. Senga says he could pitch through it. So the expectation and the hope 
is that Kodai Seng is going to be ready for the start of the season. <laughs> I don't know what to think, man. I mean, you get these reports and you want to believe in the good. Like who wants to go into opening day, believing all these guys are going to be on the injured list, but we're Met fans. And we've seen this before. You know, we've heard about injuries, many an injury before that doesn't seem major and turns out to be bad. Now, in fairness, there have also been plenty of injuries that aren't major and they turn out not to be major. I don't want to ignore the existence of the minor injury, but Sanga's got this finger tendonitis issue. You can always look at it and say it could be worse. It's not shoulder discomfort. It's not elbow discomfort. But... When you're a starting pitcher getting ready for the start of the season, any kind of setback could affect you from being ready for the start of the season because you're on this timetable of working your strength up, working your amount of pitches you can throw in a game up. And so you miss a start, you miss two starts, you stop throwing for a week, it changes everything. But it does sound like, okay, things will be decent with Kodai Sangin. So that was injury number three. Let me see if there's any more injuries I'm forgetting. Is there any other injuries I'm forgetting, uh, Peter, if I nailed all of them over the last few days? Well, one that you uh, he's returned from injury, but he hasn't performed well at all. Darren Ruff, his arthritis issue. Oh, God. God, Darren Ruff. (laughs) If, If the Mets don't just put him on the injured list, and that's why I don't mind if he's hurt, because it's like an easy way to not release him because otherwise they're going to have to release him. They're going to have to just eat the money and say, get the hell out of here. You stick a guy on the injured list. You always have that possibility of bringing that guy back from mothballs, depending on what happens, you know, which is still a possibility because Darren Ruff, I think is over 10. I think that's where he is right now. Uh, I know he doesn't have a hit that I know for sure. And you know, what saves Darren Ruff, uh, he's actually 0 for 8 with five strikeouts. <laughs> I mean, I, I shouldn't laugh. He's 0 for 8 with five strikeouts. And Pete, that doesn't include the games against World Baseball Classic teams because that doesn't even count in spring training standings. So if you include those games, I'm going to guess it's like 0 for 11, 0 for 12. And what they could easily do is just stick him on the injured list and say, ah, you know why he's struggling? He's struggling because he still has that. What's the injury again? A wrist issue? The cortisone shot in the wrist? He's got the is. arthritis, and he's not really sure. The, the, the interview from, I think it was sat Friday night or Saturday, was, was just pathetic. We were just like, hey, you know, how do you feel you're going to deal with this? He's like, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> oh, God, I can't wait to get your ass off this team. And there was another injury, too. Uh, Bryce Montes de Oca. Yes, yes. I want to get to that one, Pete, because – Bryce Montes de Oca, until he had his issues on Sunday where he walked a bunch of guys, and clearly he wasn't the same. His fastball was down a couple of notches. Mets were concerned. They take him out. He's got discomfort. He was one of those guys that was making an impression of potentially making this team. He's got a fastball with a ton of bite on it. He was getting tons of swings and misses, and we saw him briefly last year when he was called up, and even looking at his minor league numbers, His issue is always just throwing strikes. If the guy could throw strikes, he could be nasty. He could be devastating. And he's got this just really difficult to hit fastball. So to see this happen to him now just sucks. Again, you always look for good news. The good news is that it sounds like, and again, this is a common theme in Mets spring training. They're not overly concerned about Montes de Oca, 
But still, it's, you know, anytime you hear something with a shoulder or an elbow or your arm, it's a problem when you're a pitcher. You know, when it's an oblique, when it's a hip, it sucks. It can knock you out for a long period of time, but it's not one of those things that could turn into Tommy John surgery uh, or elbow or forearm surgery that can knock you out and really derail your career. So hopefully everything's okay with Montes to Oka because he was looking like a guy that was making a bid to make this team. So now you just have to cross your fingers because we already know Quintana's going to be out for a while. That's obvious. Uh, we already know Montes to Oka's bid to make this team has been derailed because he's not going to make this team. He has a chance to still have an impact on this bullpen this year, but he's not making the team. The starting pitching depth is being tested if Kodai Senga is not ready right out of the gate, despite the Mets' optimism, because, again, the Mets have no off days that first week of the year. So usually you can hide with a four-man rotation right out the gate. You could do that sometimes for the first month of the season. You could do that for a while because you have off days, you have rainouts. The Mets aren't going to have that. So Kodai Senga, if he does miss any kind of time, that's an issue. So we're already starting to see this depth being tested. And the thing about Starling Marte, even if he comes out of this drilled-in-the-head moment okay, and I think he will, the Mets do not have outfield depth. And it leads to something I do want to discuss today. We'll also get to Buck Showalter, who had an interesting interview with Adam Jones a few days ago in which he was revealing all of Buck's ideas. Buck has a lot of baseball ideas. We'll discuss that, plus Brandon Nimmo's keys to being healthy. but. If the Mets decide to not have rough on this roster, which I have remained confident they won't, whether it's IL, whether it's biting the bully and releasing him, the Mets are having two young players have really good spring trainings that create an interesting issue, and that is Mark Vientos and Brett Beatty. I leave Ronnie Mauricio out, and Mauricio had another homer on Sunday. was a bomb because he's not making the team. You know, we could try to make reasons or cases for him to make the team. He's not going to make the team. He's going to start the year at AAA, and we're going to hope that Mauricio picks up where he's left off from spring training and the Dominican winter ball. The two guys who have a chance to make this team are Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos. And so far, here's what we've seen in the 30-so at-bats that each guy's had. And this, again, doesn't include the WBC games because – they don't count in exhibition stats. But Mark Vientos is hitting 333 with a 959 OPS and a couple of home runs and nine RBIs. Brett Beatty, on the other hand, in 24 at bats, is hitting 458 with an 1177 OPS with one home run and five RBIs. Both guys are hitting the crap out of the ball. Both guys are not going to confuse you with a gold glover. They're not. You know, I've seen Vientos play first and third. We've seen Beatty play third. And Beatty's had some good defensive moments. I don't want to say he's always a butcher over there. He's not. But neither guy is a world-class defender. But what both guys are doing right now is they are making their case for making this roster over Darren Ruff. But here's the problem. And this is where we got to talk about fit. If you go Beatty, who's had a better camp than Vientos, he's been unbelievable. How do you make it work against lefties? What's the plan against lefties? Because with Vientos, it's pretty simple. Vientos is going to be your DH against left-handed pitching. That's it. Like, that's 
That's his gig. You want to play him a little bit at third base and first base? I guess. I don't think he will. I don't think he's going to need to. Because between Escobar and Guillaume, I don't think Vianto's going to be asked to play third base. I don't see that happening. Between Alonzo and Vogelbach, I don't think he's going to be asked to play first base. So he's a right-handed DH. Here's Brett Beatty's issue. Against right-handed pitching, you play him. And it's not that complicated. He could even be your third baseman against right-handed pitching. Or he's your third baseman with Escobar playing second and McNeil playing the outfield. Or however you want to align that. Beatty has not played the outfield much in spring training. I don't think I've seen an inning of him in the outfield. So I assume that if Beatty is playing a position, it's going to be third base. But no harm, no foul, because Jeff McNeil could play the outfield. Eduardo Escobar could even play the outfield. We saw the Mets do that once because Venezuela was planning on potentially playing him in the outfield. So against righties, it's easy, and it's great. makes perfect sense. But what are you doing against lefties? Beatty has not hit left-handed pitching throughout his minor league career, or at least enough to where the Mets are going to give him that opportunity to face left-handed pitching right out of the gate. So if you accept that, what's the plan against lefties? Because one option I've always heard, and I've even suggested, is Eduardo Escobar could find himself as the right-handed platoon for Vogelbach. Okay, let's just say that's the plan. Forget Tommy Pham for a second, because Tommy Pham's a fourth outfielder. Do you really want him to be the right-handed platoon against left-handed pitching? So Escobar is your DH against the lefty. Okay, who's playing third? Do you play Guillerme and say, screw it, we're just going for defense? Do you defy what I said earlier and say Beatty should just play every single day, even against lefties? What's the plan? And that's where things get complicated, and that's where Vientos really has the edge on Beatty, despite the fact that Brett Beatty is doing everything he can to make this roster. He is just punishing the baseball, and he is having some good defensive moments. And the one thing we do have to remind ourselves when we go crazy about the defense Eduardo Escobar is not confusing us with Scott Rowland and his prime defensively. Like, he's okay defensively, but he's not freaking Brooks Robinson. So why do we have to hold Brett Beatty to the standard of Brooks Robinson when Eduardo Escobar isn't that guy? But those are the two young guys who have a legitimate shot to make this team, and the oddities on how you make each guy fit. Vientos has the edge because he's the better fit. Well, first of all, back to your defensive stuff with with Escobar. Uh, th- that's one thing I said about last year. Escobar was was not really we, – we criticized Beatty. And, again, it was a little raw. But Escobar was terrible last year. He really was. And he's not, he's not doing anything to impress us so far in spring training either. Uh, 